green light. Bow, bow, bow. That's us. That's us. I am Lauren. And I am Jackson. And we, if you are new here, we record uh, unproduced plays and screenplays and then interview the Phantasmic. That's a new one. People Phantasmic who is new, Lauren. I do yeah. appreciate that new addition to, um, to our description. Yeah. So, uh, let me see. How's we got a lot stuff? of. We have a lot of bonus. We're bursting at the seams with bonus content. Yeah, we Lauren. have so much bonus content right now. So, as Filled you may to the know, brim with uh, bonus content. Last week's excerpt of the play that we read, we actually recorded the whole thing. It's a one act that is on our Patreon at the Green Chandelier level. Yes. AKA ten dollars a month. Uh, we also just recorded a green lit episode. Yes, we did. We watched uh, the original Alien, so there's a preview of that that you should be able to see right here on this, wherever you are listening to this episode. Yes. Um, but the full version, it's about 45, 50 minutes, is on Patreon. That's a it's a level. it's a real fun one. I yeah, like to it's say. a it's a really fun. It one. is a it is a very fun episode that we recorded. Definitely also, the least tipsy I've been, but a really fun episode. Yeah, true, 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 true. Lauren, Lauren is is getting a little better. On these uh, okay. handling. <laughs> okay. I knew that Blue one. Curacao I knew that has one like it. very little alcohol it. in it for a no. for a liquor. No, you for know? sure, for sure. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Ooh, a quick quick change in mood and tone right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we also just recently did a community bonus content. Uh, yes. That's one you of heard our ramble part of episodes. It, part of it on last week's episode. Yeah, of as course. our detour. We also did post a sneak peek of that, but the rest of it is on Patreon at the one dollar level. Yeah, so exactly. If so you're really, subscribe at, all, at any level. Yeah, yeah. You will get some fun new bonus content yeah. also as always please rate and review us on itunes follow yeah. us on instagram twitter facebook that's a free way to help the show that is a free way to help the show i'm gonna check to see if we have any reviews i feel like i checked this morning and we didn't but i'm gonna double check okay. lauren improv tell a joke nope i'm not gonna do that <laughs> okay um, well uh, yes no new reviews okay, so that's okay disappointed in all of you yeah. audience but, but yeah uh, <laughs> also if you like listening to us talk and you like the mass singer yes. you should check out our new podcast who is that who is that the mass singer podcast yes. um that is again wherever you listen to stuff um i know on like my instagram bio i have you know the the accounts for both the green light and who was that in my bio. But yeah. Yeah. It's we'll just also posted it in the description. Pod. It'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so listen that to that. Out. Also a lot of fun stuff going on over there. We're having yeah. a great time with that. So I think we can jump in to our very first segments of the week. Is that correct? You're giving me a look. Well, I actually wanted to say it real quick. Uh, my grandpa's birthday is on Friday. So happy birthday, grandpa. Happy birthday, Love grandpa. Him. But I mean, he's he's been stuck by himself in a memory care facility for a little bit during this quarantine. So think about him on Friday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. The day this episode is dropping, yeah. as a matter of fact. So be thinking about him as you listen to this. Yeah. So now... Detours. Detours. Beep, beep, beep. This is a segment where we talk about something we have consumed in the past week. Whether that be a movie, TV show, book play, 10-year-old video game, we got it all. But this week, I think it'll be best if I start, because mine is just yeah. me and well, yours yeah, is both of is us. Yeah, mine is kind of both. Yeah. So I am going to start us off with the 2020 television show Woke on Hulu. It is created by Keith Knight and Marshall Todd. Keith Knight, actually, if you have seen the show or know anything about the show, the main character's name is Keith Knight. So it is very much a That's reference funny. to, <laughs> well, one of the creators actually is a cartoonist, which, as you will know if you watch the show, so is our main character. So I did not look up a summary. Uh, well, here we go. 
Keefe is an African-American cartoonist on the verge of mainstream success when an unexpected incident changes his life. And that un unexpected incident is the fact that he is racially profiled by police, he is tackled, he is handcuffed, only for them to immediately realize that he is not their su suspect. He was tackled supposedly because uh, he looked like he looked like the person who they were after, and also mm -hmm. because he was carrying a stapler, which is a uh, which was a weapon. He was just hanging up signs for his Jeez. newest cartoon. Yeah, so that's sort of the inciting incident of this show. And then after that, it sort of deals with this main character, Keith, his new reality of being woke in a way, sort of being now forced to see things that he was able to sort of ignore before. Hmm. And it does that in a few different ways. And one of them is by having inanimate objects sort of come to life and talk to Keith. A few huh. examples are a trash can, his marker, uh, alcohol bottles in a convenience store, things like that. St stuff hmm. starts appearing all around him that sort of turn into... Uh, uh, these cartoon versions, if you will, yeah. of these inanimate objects. And the cartoon versions, I actually didn't say who th who this is starring. It's starring uh, Lamorne Morris, who, if you don't know that name off the top of your head, you probably would recognize him from New Girl and or Game Night. He's He was uh, main character, one of the main characters in New Girl, and he's also in the movie Game Night. Very good. It's also starring Blake Anderson, who was from Workaholics. T. Murph, who is a comedian. I don't think I've seen him in anything, but he's very good. And Sashir Zamata, who I also haven't seen, is very good. But the voices are also kind of <laughs> packed. Uh, J.B. Smoove is one of the voices. Uh, famous comedian. Let's see. Uh, Nicole Bob. Cedric the Entertainer, Eddie Griffin, all of these sort of famous voices uh, or sort of famous people pop up as voices throughout the show, which uh, which is really cool. So overall, I like I really like this premise and like this idea that once you become woke, you can't sort of unsee what you were able to see and push aside. Mm -hmm. Um and it, it, there's a really cool arc of how, at first, he was trying to get away from all of it, like trying to avoid the voices and things like that. But by the end, he almost relies on them in a way and, and sort of seeks guidance from them, which is sort of a interesting thing. Uh, and by as you could tell from the description, it's very stylized. But one thing that I actually wanted more was kind of more of that stylized, especially because you have a main character who's a cartoonist. I thought they could have done a little more with like... Because it, it seemed like at the beginning of the show, it was sort of heavy on those inanimate objects becoming these sort of cartoon versions of themselves. Sure. But then it sort of fell off later into it, and it was just a bit inconsistent with that. And there yeah, were also sometimes... scenario. Yeah. And there were also some times where more of the... There were sort of words that would pop up on the screen as if it was in a cartoon or something. And that was also sort of inconsistent. So I would have liked to see a little more consistency from that. Um, but overall, this is a really funny show. I think you're really going to like it. I, I won't say that it is necessarily revolutionary. Mm. This show was actually created a couple years ago. It oh, was wow. it was created in, I believe, 2018. So before a lot of the things that happened this year, like the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, people like that. Though, um, you know, um, police brutality was still sort of in the, the public consciousness. I wouldn't say it is as in the public consciousness as it is now. So some of the stuff... Not that it feels sure. It was outdated. maybe a little more. It was. Like, I think it would be more revolutionary if it was released a couple years ago. Right. But you know, that's that's what. Once again, not to say that it doesn't do what it does well. It's just you know, if if you're if you're looking 
especially if you're someone who sort of considers themselves to be, um, you know, caught up on current events and, and things like that, it's not necessarily going to be revolutionary. I think if you're not, it might be a, a really cool insight into, yeah. into some of these issues and things like that. I really like the lens of a cartoonist, the way they took it from there. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I, I love the, the characters, I think are the best part of the show. Uh, uh, Lamorne Morris holds his own very well as a lead. You know, I think he was more of a supporting character. I think I misspoke earlier in New Girl, but mm. he does really well as a lead. And the relationship between him, Blake Anderson, and T-Murph, who are all roommates, are great. Uh, this, Like I said, this was the first thing I've seen T-Murph in, and he's hilarious. Nice. He was one of the most funny parts of the show. So uh, I will. <laughs> one thing that I want to end on, my, <laughs> my favorite episode was the one about... Uh, he was invited to this party to sort of show off his art. And then it, it, that's sort of the general premise of the show. And he brings along his roommates and, and it gets into the whole thing. It ends up with Blake Anderson, who's from Workaholics. Do you, do you know who Blake Anderson? Not he's like really. the long... Are you familiar with Workaholics? I haven't seen Workaholics. Then there you go. He's, he's a long-haired stoner type, if okay. you will. He, he ends up in this like weird threesome situation that's really funny. Oh. And, you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of humor in this. There's a lot of heart in this. While it's not the most revolutionary thing in the world, I still think it's an enjoyable watch. So cool. that's what I have to say about Woke. Yeah. All right. Well, another thing that I'm doing for my detour and that we both watch with the rest of our house yes. is the new uh, 2020 Netflix film, Enola Holmes. Mm -hmm. So here's the kind of logline. When Enola Holmes, Sherlock's teen sister, discovers her mother missing, she sets off to find her, becoming a super sleuth in her own right as she outwits her famous brother and unravels a dangerous conspiracy around a mysterious young lord. So, this movie is pretty stacked. So, it's yeah, directed it really by is. Harry Bradbeer, starring Millie Bobby Brown, who is, uh, of course, from Stranger Things. Yes. She's also a producer on this. Uh, Henry Cavill, Sam Claflin, Helena Bonham Carter, Louis Partridge... Um, I think those are all like the really, really big names. Yeah, those are the but, those are the main characters as yeah. well. I would say. So pretty crazy, pretty stacked. Um, okay, so this film, I have some mixed feelings about it, as the rest <laughs> of our house has. Sure. I think it accomplished what it set out to do, which was to be like cool, you know, creating another girl role model, like creating this girl version of Sherlock Holmes, who's like very charming and very funny in her own right. Um, you know, sort of eschewing those sexist gender norms of uh, the time period in which Sherlock Holmes is set. There also yep. uh, were a couple of kind of cool lines in it. Like at one point, um, there is... Actually, let me... Because I, I just had the cast pulled up. Um, it, I, I think uh, it, Susan... Sorry, her last name is cut off This here. quote has Susan sort of been Wacoma. floating around social media, so you might have yeah. seen it before. So but she if not... Is, uh, she plays a martial arts teacher. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, jiu-jitsu teacher for women, which is like, again, pretty outlandish in this time period. And yeah. she also taught uh, Nola when she was younger. Um, but she says at one point to Sherlock, you know, because Sh Sherlock doesn't understand, like, why suffragettes exist and, like, why mm -hmm. people are trying to change the system. And she says, I don't have the exact quote, but something along the lines of, you know, why would you want to change a world that only benefits you, you know? Yeah. Um, which, I mean, definitely is something that resonated, resonated then and resonates today. You know, mm -hmm. there are yeah. all kinds of people, <clears throat> Republicans, who um, don't want to change the system that's benefiting them. That you was know? actually a um, cough. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, but they, it definitely had some moments that resonate now and, you know, were also relevant to the time period. For um, sure. I will say one thing that struck us all as kind of funny 
was that so at one point <laughs> this is this is a slight spoiler it's not a huge spoiler uh, but we're gonna talk about it anyways yeah. so 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 at one point you know there's this kind of recurring flashback of um millie ba- or enola witnessing a like secret suffragette type meeting that her mother is running in their yeah. house yeah um and you know again like the jujitsu teacher is there there are a bunch of other people there mm-hmm. and they are using anagrams to discuss you know, three different locations, basically. And she doesn't really realize what they're for until she figures out the anagram, goes to the location, and finds a building full of bombs. Yeah, full of explosives, dynamite, yeah, bombs, full such, of explosives. and the such. And we were like, uh, okay, so like, they're, they're suffragists, but also they're terrorists? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and it was, it was Limehouse Lane, so I got the impression that it was supposed to be a whole street, and that was just where they were keeping the bombs. Sure, very possible. And they possible. were going to, like, plant them throughout the street. <laughs> throughout the, the entire yeah. boulevard, so, if you will. so kind of crazy. Um, but, you know... The, the, we we just never really got closure on that. Yeah. The the issue is that about halfway through the movie, sort of Enola's motivation shifted to yeah. saving her mother from saving her mother to saving this uh young kid who was eventually be going going to become or actually just became He was going he was yeah, supposed a member to be inducted into the House of Lords. Yes. Which, you know, we're supposed to be voting on a bill that would eventually like allow um, men who didn't own property and hopefully it would become a step towards allowing women to vote. Yeah. Um, but once again... And he the, was going to be like the deciding vote on it. So yeah. there was a whole thing where like people were trying to kill him yeah. and stuff. And it's weird too because the movie was kind of aware of it because literally halfway through she like scratches out her mother and then moves to this like boy. There's there's literally a moment where it happens. Yeah, well, because she goes through like stages of her plan that she sets up at the beginning. Yeah. And at one point she literally like, yeah, puts a Aside the plan to rescue her yeah, mom yeah. because I mean she does definitely get the impression at one point that her mom is not trying to be found yeah like her mom is involved in this secret suffragette potentially terrorist organization yeah um but you know I just I mostly was just mad that we never really got closure on the bombs like no there was a whole thing that valid. was like good for you for making sure this guy got put in the House of Lords who would vote in favor of this bill Yay, no progress. Sure, sure 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 but also we never discuss. The mob blowing up a building. Yeah, no, I... Or at least planning to. I I agree. I 100% agree. Um, One other thing I wanted to talk about is we did talk about Fleabag a while back on both a Patreon bonus and also as a regular detour. And Fleabag, you know, has a lot of those cutaways where she talks directly to the camera. Breaking of of the fourth wall. Yeah, breaking of the fourth wall as sort of her internal monologue. And so Enola does that a lot too. But it's kind of, I mean, almost like you said about the inanimate objects becoming cartoons, it's kind of inconsistent yeah. the, throughout the movie. Yeah. You know, it happens a lot at the beginning. It happens, I think, a lot towards the end. And then there are some, you know, at one point, I think there's like half an hour where it doesn't happen at all. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, that's I'd say weird. that's probably accurate. Um, so, I mean, you know, Blake, our, our writer housemate, was saying like, oh, this is probably a sign of multiple writers. Like, yeah, very some of them possible. doing it more than others. But, you know, again, as a whole, I think it accomplished what it was meant to do. I agree. Um, it, it, it's, it's definitely flawed, but it's a charming, like, family-friendly, except for the bombs kind of movie. <laughs> it's it's very much a fun watch. And yeah. especially, it's really cool to have, like, a role model for, like, young girls to be like, wow, this person is smart, clever, strong, yeah. and someone who I can look up to, you know? Yeah. And one thing I do want to talk about, (laughs) and this is a little bit of a spoiler, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the plot, but if you don't want to hear spoilers, fast forward like a minute. (laughs) She killed a man. (laughs) I totally 
forgot about that and because Holmes it was so quick. Murdered a man. She killed a man. Well, in cold it's this, blood. It's this guy who's trying to like go after, um, you know, Lewis Partridge, the guy she ends up trying to save. Yeah. And, you know, he's been trying to kill him the whole movie. And she has been like failing at doing this move called the corkscrew. It's like, like a, a jujitsu move. Jiu-jitsu kind of yeah, move. That her mom um, taught her. Yeah. And she finally does it successfully on this guy, and then his head as just, she like, does it is impaled on this little pineapple statue thing. It was yeah, it was or some like an artichoke or something. Yeah, or maybe a pine cone or something. Yeah, some sort some of sort of little statue thing with a just, point on it. Yeah, and you no see it up close. It. Yeah, she doesn't feel remorse for it. Which, to be fair, it was it was definitely in self defense. This man, definitely as we said, has been trying Absolutely. to murder her this entire movie. But still, that's just not discussed. Like, did not comment. And on I feel it like at all. in most no movies, that's at least like a whoa, that was weird for me. A, well, a sixteen-year-old like, murdering a grown man. <laughs> well, and it's not like there's any kind of cover-up either. Exactly. You know, like, she clearly... People know that she did it after this whole thing is uncovered, you yeah. know? So it's just like, there's no... Nothing at all. Correct. She just lives her life. Correct. Like, yeah. It was... It was crazy. wild. It was wild. But yeah, I agree. Uh, Millie, Bobby Brown, Millie Bobby Brown was great. Yeah, she was great. And, you know, there are a lot of big names in this, but I thought they really let her shine. You know, they did. Henry yeah. Cavill and Sam Claflin were definitely secondary characters and while they could have maybe been used a little more it definitely sort of opened up that lane for millie bobby brown to shine in that role and i think she she did a good job well and also it's also just like we know sherlock holmes we don't need to see sherlock holmes solve another mystery true and at the end he does kind of come in and it's like i figured everything out and then the guy's (laughs) like cool your sister beat you to it yeah (laughs) everyone I'll argue, though. And this All is the men are dumb thing. in this movie. I'd argue everyone's kind of dumb in this movie. Like, they talk, they have these, like, big moments of discovery, and it's mostly, like, well, you just, like, saw that. You didn't discover it. Like, yeah, just like, oh, like, yes, this person told me you would yeah, be here. It's and like, it's okay. like, okay, where's the sleuthing there? Yeah. But, you know, like, <laughs> we're talking a lot of bad things about this movie. No, it's but fun. It, it's Go it's a good it. movie. It's a very enjoyable movie. If it you is like a 6.7 like on this, IMDb out of 10, which I think is accurate. Yeah, I'd maybe go, like, a 7. I'm going to 6.7. That's fair. I respect that. I respect that. But yeah, check it out. Yeah. And it's a good family-friendly movie as well. Yeah. Besides the murder and the bombings. But... But you know, quick once again, as two like brief I said, moments very glossed over. So very it's glossed fine. over. Well, also that the same guy that she kills does try to like fully drown her in a barrel of no, water. No, she one like point. she so she had a too. like she had a well, self-defense. No, she, she right. had motivation again, but that's also another moment that's kind of like whoa. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. But yeah, um, so anyway, watch it. Enola Holmes. Check it out on Netflix if you have an account. Hulu. It's free. Woke on Hulu if you have an account. It's free. Yeah. Oh ah. One thing I want to talk about real quick, real, real, real quick. Okay. My hot take of the week, watching Hulu with ads is the pinnacle of TV watching. Yep. Why? You, I, you heard me say that. So here's why. It, it gives you that old feeling of like watching something on TV. Not like, that that's come old. come back to the commercial. Well, exactly. Commercial and it gives you natural breaks in the show to get up and do something. That's so true. you if don't you either have eat. to wait till the end of the show or you have to pause it at a point where you don't know if it's a good place to pause it, etc. I think it's especially good for watching with other people because you don't true. always want to make people pause it if you have to go to the bathroom. So you can wait till the commercial. You can go. You can grab a snack. Bathroom, run back. It's the perfect mix of this new streaming binging culture and the old 
old, you know, cable TV, watching a show once yeah. a week, stuff like that. I will say my only complaint, though, Hulu is that ads, because the ads are prime. tailored to you, you see the same ads. You do. Over and over, uh, my, and over. My my love for it is not with the ads themselves. It is with the con- construct of it having ads. It feels like TV. Yes, it does. That's all I have to say. Okay. We we didn't even say the name of the, wow, the play we're, we're reading. <laughs> when we come back, we will be reading No Good Deed. By Ed, Ed Friedman. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Green Light! Thank you. (laughs) Lauren and Jackson are here with you today, as always, but we also have Bailey here, our just just announced podcast nana, here with us today. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't have to make sense for anyone else, but that's okay. Bailey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Podcast mom and dad. No, it's a weird little situation we have <laughs> it's here. It's tree. fine. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> twisted and curvy. But I'd say let's go ahead and start and get yeah. into this whole thing. As as you know, as we just said, we will be reading No Good Deed by Ed Friedman. And I will be playing the character of Benny. And I will be playing Brenda. And I will be reading Stage Directions. No Good Deed. By Ed Friedman. Benny is waiting in the lobby of a small theater. He is on his phone. Yes, Larry, I'm coming. I'll be there in like 40 minutes, stops. Yeah, I'm still bringing the beer. How many guys are coming? Oh, great. Sean's not gonna make it? His loss. Don't worry, the game's not starting until 9. I'm leaving in a minute. I just need to say hello to one of the teachers. She did this one-person show and it just finished... I want to be supportive because that's what you do when you've worked with someone for five years. I thought it was pretty good, but what the hell do I know? Relax, will you? I'm just gonna say hi, you were great, congratulations, and I'm out of here. I'll be at your place by kickoff. Brenda enters from offstage. Wow, you came! Yeah, I sure did! Thanks a lot for coming. You know, I had a feeling you'd show up. Really? Okay, well, I just wanted to say I thought you were really good, and I really enjoyed it, so congrats, and I guess I'll see you- What uh, did you like about it? Oh, well, uh, you know, I'm not really a theater guy, so I don't know how relevant my opinion was- Actually, that's why I would really like your opinion. It would be helpful to hear from someone who doesn't come to my show with a bunch of expectations. Uh, well, um, I don't know, it's just, uh- You're used to seeing someone in a specific context for a long time, and it's weird to see them up on a stage- Playing a bunch of characters and... But if you're not into theater, why did you come? I just wanted to be supportive. You know, you're putting yourself out there. I think it's cool. I've done shows before and you've never come. Well, I usually had something else I was doing or it just wasn't a good time for me. So you're saying you had absolutely nothing better to do, so you thought you'd give up an hour or so and look like a good guy? Hey, I'm here. Do you go around to the whole audience and ask what their motivation was for coming? No, because I'm not interested in their motivation, but I am interested in yours. First of all, I told you why I came. And second of all, why are you drilling down on my reasons? And third, I gotta go. He starts to leave. Because I don't think you're being honest with me, and it's possible you're not being honest with yourself. Brenda, I don't mean to sound judgmental or harsh, but what the fuck are you talking about? Look, I'm trying to make it easy for you. We both know why you really came here, and I just want to let you know I'm cool with it. Uh, Cool with what? I'm trying to imagine what you know or think you know. 
we're work friends, and the friend part is rather generous. In all the time I've known you, I'm hard-pressed to remember a conversation we've had that wasn't about work. Benny. Anyone could read between the lines. Like that sad Thanksgiving story about you being alone? I know you wanted me to invite you over, but I was still seeing Sam at the time. I felt so bad I couldn't give you what you wanted. No, no, no. You misread between the lines. That was not a sad story. That was the first Thanksgiving in years I got to stay home by myself and watch football for ten hours. It was glorious. So you're telling me that you were thankful for the opportunity to sit alone in your apartment, eat takeout, and spend half a day watching a group of people with overdeveloped thyroids run into each other? Yep. Which is what I'd like to do right now. You don't think I see how you look at me at work. I don't know what you mean. I generally look at the people I'm talking to. Please. Just this week we were in the break room and you couldn't stop looking at my legs. Okay. I admit it. You had an outfit that caught my attention. That skirt was kind of short. I apologize if I made you feel uncomfortable. There was no intent on my part to create any kind of romantic relationship or to create a negative workspace. So you don't find me attractive. I didn't say that. It's just that So you do find me attractive. You are clearly an attractive woman, but I think it's a mistake to integrate personal relationships within the workplace. You have relationships with Will and Frank? Yeah, but I mean romantic relationships. So if we had more of a relationship but it was platonic, you'd be comfortable with that? Sure. Think of me like the gay best friend in rom-coms, okay? Well, I'm glad we straightened that out. He starts to leave. Oh, I get it. You should know that I'd never judge you and never go after someone you're interested in. No, no, I think you're misunderstanding me. I'm not gay. Now I'm confused. You're not gay. You think I'm attractive, but you only want to have a platonic relationship with me. There you go. There I go? What does that mean? Do I have some unpleasant personality trait you're not telling me about? Am I inherently unlikable? No, I'm not saying that at all. You're not? No. So you think I'm attractive, you're not gay, and I have a good personality, and you're the only one from work who came to see me in this because... And we're back to that. Okay, if you're afraid of your feelings... I'm not. No, really, it's okay. If you're not ready, you're not ready. I'm sorry I pushed you out of your comfort zone. I know it can be scary to confront feelings you're not ready for. What feelings? The only feelings I have right now is that I'm missing the kickoff. So you might miss the opportunity to bond with other single guys who drown their feelings in imported beer because they're too afraid to connect with a woman on a meaningful level? I... Uh, no, I, I, um... Your silence speaks volumes. Well, it's not speaking very loudly, because you don't hear it. What I do hear is a cry for help. Really? Looking around. Well, it looks like I'm not crying loud enough. You are, because I hear you. I don't think you do, or I'd be halfway up the FDR drive right now. You know what? Go. And I hope you find what you want. Thanks. He starts to go. Do you even know what you want? Well, right now, a transporter beam and a 12-pack of Heineken. And what will you want when the Heineken is gone and the game is over? Probably pizza. Maybe tacos. And are you going to wake up tomorrow morning with your arms wrapped around a taco? If I crash at Larry's, I might. All right. I give up. Just go. Bye. Starts to go. I thought you were a sensitive, thoughtful guy, but you're just another frat bro. Hey, that's not fair. Why aren't you halfway up the FDR drive? What? You say that you want to go and you're still here. Yeah, Well, it bothers me that you seem to think I'm a jerk. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I don't think you're any more of a jerk than any other man I know. No, that doesn't make me feel better. What do you care what I think? You said yourself we only have a work relationship. Yeah, that's true. But we spend a lot of time together. I mean, I spend more time with people at work than I do with anybody else. It's the closest thing I have to a family. Nobody wants to be the family asshole. Besides, I 
Think I have a thing about people not liking me? I don't think you're an asshole. I've watched you teach the new people who come in. I've seen you with the interns, and you're practically the only person that gives them any respect. You're a good guy. If I didn't think that, I wouldn't spend time following my instinct that you were interested in me. Despite what you hear, you shouldn't always trust your instincts. They can be very wrong. Like now. Really, I appreciate that you came to the show, whatever the reason was. Now, I'm going to get a drink. You should catch the rest of the game, and I'll see you at work. Brenda starts to leave. Wait. You're still here? You know what I dislike more than people not liking me? Feeling stupid. There's a bunch of stuff in your show I just didn't understand. I think you should explain it to me over a drink. You're going to miss the game. Yeah, but I'll be spending the whole game trying to figure out all the stuff I missed. You sure? Yeah. Hang on a minute. Takes out his phone and dials. Will? Benny. Where are you right now? Good. Pick up a 12-pack and bring it to Larry's. I know, but I'm not going to make it. I'll pay you for it. I know I said I would bring the beer, but at least I can make sure it gets there. Right? More for you. I'll catch the highlights. See ya. Okay, let's go. As they're leaving, you really do want everyone to like you. What can I say? There are worse faults, you know. That's true. They're gone. everybody welcome back to the green light green light we are here with our writer of the week ed friedman ed how are you doing i'm doing great great that's great so let's just jump straight into it ed how about you give us your writer origin story how did you get started writing oh boy this (laughs) this is this is um i think this is pretty interesting um Many years ago, I was I was cast in a, in a as an actor in a production of uh, Taming of the Shrew, and I had a very small part. I was a pedant, and this director wanted everybody at every rehearsal, and they wanted the actors to stay through the whole rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So I had a ton of time <laughs> backstage, and it's really where I wrote my first <laughs> my first short play. Um, and um i had i had gone to um a wedding um and i noticed that uh, at that time you know people still smoked um and the these people went out for uh for a cigarette on a regular basis i don't smoke uh but i noticed this and um th- so i wrote i wrote a play about this basically and it was uh I was I was so uh, in the beginning so unimaginative that the play was first titled Cindy and David's Wedding because that's who the the bride and groom were. Sure. And I finally I finally changed it to Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, uh, a play in fourteen cigarettes, and it's really about these these two people who meet at this wedding. They don't know each other, and every time one goes out for cigarette, the other goes out and. They get to know each other through having these cigarettes. Huh. Oh wow, that's like really it. that's really cool. I like that a lot. And w- what an interesting start, you know, just having a wealth of time backstage. So yeah. you're like, eh, might as well be productive. That's that's a, a good yeah. quality, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. So uh, now let's get into the script. No good deed. So 
Before we right. do any other questions about the script, I just have sort of like a fun backstory question that I think will sort of uh, color the rest of our questions and, you know, sort of our viewing of the script now. So how well do Benny and Brenda actually know each other before this? Because obviously Brenda thinks there is something more, while Benny sort of considers her more of like a work acquaintance, at least he says. So like, who is that right? And how would you say that affects like the actual production? Um... I would say, well, you know, this has this has never been been produced, and um, my my thought about this was that these are people who connect at work, uh, but their connection is fairly superficial. Hmm. You know, they 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 interact with each other. I didn't I didn't go into I didn't give them a backstory in in kind of what kind of company it was or anything like that. Um, but um, my thought was that these are people who interact on a regular basis, but just not in very much depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they connect enough that um, she's she feels like she's picked up some vibe from him. Sure, hmm. sure, that cool. makes sense. Yeah. So you sent us a couple of scripts, and there were very few stage directions throughout any of them. So. As a playwright, talk about your decision to not use that many stage directions, and how does that affect the creative team? Well, it's a, that's a great question, and I'm really glad you raised it because I have since I have since I wrote those, I have since changed my approach, and now I write many more stage directions than I used to. Okay, well um, then, talk about that transition from writing little to yeah, writing I'll, more. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what happened. Um, I was uh, less than, a, I guess, yeah, beginning of the year. I uh, before all this craziness happened, sure. uh, I directed a, a production of uh, Good People by David Lindsay Bear, mm-hmm. and he's written a lot of stage directions, and it's a wonderful play. Mm-hmm. And he's written a lot of stage directions, and we had, we wind up having a discussion. The cast and I had a discussion about this, and what does it mean? Because the, the 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 wisdom used to be, you know, cut out all the stage directions. You know, each production is new, and it's, you know, you you make it up as you as you go along. It's going to be a different set. It's going to be a different this. You know, just just throw it all out. Mm-hmm. But what he does in this, and what some writers do, is they give you cues in how they're thinking about these characters, mm-hmm. and it's not evident. And you know, if I'm if I'm directing my own play, which I rarely get to do, you know, I can, I can talk to the actors about this, but if I'm sending the play out, you know, then, you know, they don't, they don't, nobody's calling me. If I'm sending it to a festival, the likelihood is people aren't going to call me and say, you know, what do you think about this? Uh, they're going to do the play or not do the play. And I'm going to go if I can. And, you know, I'll, I'll see what it is. And I, I sometimes think, gee, I wish you would have called me. <laughs> you missed the point. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, I, I'm starting to think, I, I really started to think that, um, you know, more, you know, more is more. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, if, if folks wanted, you know, if folks wanted to disregard it, then, you know, I guess, you know, if I'm not there, they have the, the wherewithal to do that. But um, I think, uh I'm giving them as much ammunition as I can to communicate my intent. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think I like that. And it's like, 
there, there's a couple sides to it, because obviously, if you don't give a lot of stage directions, that gives, you know, maybe on the surface more freedom to people, but like you said, it doesn't necessarily give, like, a direction, so, like, it, it's it's a lot easier for them to potentially miss the point, or, or you know, just take it in a direction that was not intended, so I think it could almost be more freeing to have a direction that you can go in, and the, then, you know, no matter how many stage directions there are, there's still room for interpretation in, in, in so many different ways so it's cool to like at least be pointed off in one way and be like head towards that and whatever route yeah. you take you know that's sort of up to the creative team but at least you have a place to go and i i, I like that a lot yeah absolutely and you know the thing is but the time I've, I've been able to work with directors and and actors and and uh, in, a, in a play that i've written and somebody says you know I got. I had this take on this, and sometimes it's something I've never even thought of. And I thought, you know what? I didn't think of that. Yeah. That's great. Let's try that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel like I've written like Deathless Prose here. I sort of feel like let's let's see what happens when when we put it on its feet. And if you've if you read this and you've invested in it and you've got. Uh, a take on this, you know, I'm, I'm open. I'll try anything, you know, it's sort of like, let's, let's see how it plays. Yeah. Great. I love that. I I love that thought (laughs) process. That's, that's so refreshing. Um, so let's, let's talk about the characters a little bit. So by all indications, we have a character in Benny who pretty much just wants to leave. Like he says that many times, that's sort of his goal. So in that case, why do you think he sticks around for like this full conversation for a full 12 pages? That's, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's, that's to me, is always a fundamental question. And, and I see uh, plays and, and even films sometimes, and I always ask the question, why is that person still in the room? Mm-hmm. You know, why, why haven't they left? And, and I, think, I think what happens here is that um, he, really, he really starts to leave a bunch of times. But I, I do think that Brenda's found... Um, kind of an Achilles heel of, mm. of, that he's got. And he, he just can't quite, you know, break away because he doesn't, he doesn't like that she's thinking about him this way. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be thought of in the way she's thinking of him. And, and, you know, at the end, he, he pretty much, you know, tells her that. You know, he kind of he kind of says this. He 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 maybe likes to be liked a little too much, and and he and it's it's kind of upsetting. The stuff that she's sort of saying to him is a little was a little. It's it's first of all, I think it's surprising him, and second of all, I think he's he's thrown by it, and and he's some of it, some of the stuff she's saying he he doesn't like. He doesn't like the characterization that she has of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. And like you said, you know, Benny obviously says that at the end that he has this like n- real need to have other people like him. And I think right. that it's so cool how these two like desires for him interact because he has sort of this external desire to just leave to get out. But he also has this internal desire like, well, I don't want her to hate me. I want her to like me. I don't want her to think this way about me. So yeah. he's at the like constant struggle within himself. And I think that sort of like sort of colors the way that he he deals with Brenda as well, which yeah. I think is, is well, a really he also, cool manifestation. He also doesn't want his friends to hate him, you know, exactly. for, for missing kickoff, for not right. bringing the beer, you <laughs> yeah. know. So he's, he's a little torn. A right man now. torn yeah, in I mean, many I mean, directions. Feels, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he feels the need to call at the end and say, you know, I'm going to be late. You know, he's like the ultimate in being polite. Um, and, and the thing, the other thing that, that I think is, plays into his, his, um, 
insecurity around this is that, you know, this is somebody he works with and he sees every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like a random person. So, you know, he's got to, he's going to have to sort of face this person sort of every day. So it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it becomes a little more important than if it was just somebody he, he hadn't, he had no other connection with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny. Um, something you said about this play being about Benny's weaknesses does lead into a question we have later. But for now, one thing that we really like about the script is the fact that Brenda is a strong character who knows exactly what she wants, but she doesn't come off as aggressive. She comes off as assertive. So talk about how you balanced Brenda's character. I think I think it's... Um... I have to say, I don't think I consciously thought I have to balance uh, the character. Um, you know, when I, when I think about somebody who has the courage to, to go and do a one-person show, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then sort of, you know, and, and not be shy about it and say to people, oh, I'm doing this one-person show, come and see it. Um, you know, there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, confidence that that person has that's to be admired. I, I, I see somebody do a one person show. I'm, I'm, I admire it. I think it, yeah. I think it takes a lot of, you know, a lot of courage to do that. Um, you know, most, most times people do one person shows, they tend to be very autobiographical and they, they reveal a lot about themselves. So I think somebody like that is, is confident. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a lot of, I, I forgot which plays you looked at, but there's a, uh, a bunch of plays that I have that, have um female characters and um i i i think i really um they never really get short shrift i sort of feel like um uh they're always they're always sort of very um complete characters and um they're not that they're not flawed but you know all all good characters are flawed but um you know i i don't think to myself i have to i have to balance this about her i I just sort of felt like she was really authentic yeah yeah i think that actually leads into our next question really well as you you mentioned so so like we said earlier this play seems to revolve around benny dealing with his flaws but while brenda again is a strong confident character she also has some flaws so what are some of her flaws that are revealed in this interaction with benny you know she she must understand at some level that at least his intention is to leave Mm-hmm. And and I think that, and I'm not sure if this is a flaw, but I think it could be, because I think the question could be legitimately posed. You know, why didn't you just let him, why didn't you just let him go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can be that could be that could be seen you know as as a flaw. Um, the fact that she's basically, in a way, kind of worn him down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, I and that, that oh. could be that could be seen as a flaw. And you know, usually we we associate men doing this to 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 women. You know, sure. wearing them down. You know, like I'm going to pursue you until you fall into my arms or something. Um, yeah, I mean, stuff like that. I definitely got the vibe from looking at this character since you know we haven't recorded the script yet. But um, I mean, the two of us are going to be Benny and Brenda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But from looking at this character, it seems like she's put a lot of weight on this moment and kind of had a plan of if he comes to see it, I'm going to take this as a sign that he is into me and I'm going to go for it. And, you know, I'm not going to let him shy away. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it definitely seems like this is something that she's almost planned. Yeah. In and a it, way. And it's it's also like sort, sort of like you said, this whole idea of not letting him leave. And like, you know, like and while she she brings up very many good points just about like, you know, his behavior and about behavior in general throughout but at the same time because it's so like precise and you know and and specific it almost feels like <sighs> she has dreamt of this day <laughs> yeah and 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 it's like i i think it's a it's a really cool moment at the end where she sort of like gives in and is like no you're right you can leave like you know because while she is making good points it's not it, 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 there, there is something to like bringing these things up at the right time. Which who yeah. knows if this is the right time when this person has come to see your show and is you know like trying to just you know give you some good props and then head out. But you know, so so I thought that was a really cool thing about Brenda that we get to yeah, see sort of her I think, grow as I think, well. I think what that yeah, I think what that does also is it it kind of it makes her much less one dimensional. It's sort of like this is where. She sort of acknowledged, well, I mean, you know, if I was directing this, we'd have a lot of fun with the actors around this because, you know, one way to do this, one way to think about this is that she's, she's kind of relenting and saying, okay, you know, I've taken this as far as it can go and I'm just going to, I'm going to give this up. This isn't, I'm not, I'm not going to tug at this anymore. And on the other hand, it could be, you know, I, I've I've created a situation now, and I'm going to by by letting him go, I'm going to have him, you know, want to be want to be with me. Sure, um, for sure. For and sure, for and sure. one of the things, yeah, I was thinking about was that it would be great, you know, when you when you um, have actors um, do this, you know, um, to uh, to have them have some fun with the with the. Um, with the backstory around this, you know, I think, um, I, I really, um, I really like when, when I'm working with actors or, or, or directors where, uh, people try stuff and it becomes, you know, this discovery and, uh, it happens when I direct also, I, I like discovering stuff. And I think actors, you know, because of the collaborative nature of this, they bring stuff to this you hadn't thought about. And I think there's a lot of ways to go with this. Um, so I think, I think it could be fun for actors to, to do this. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. This is, this is like such a fun scene for, for, for two people to do. Yeah. There's so, there's so much of that, like back and forth sort of cat and mouse and like going back and forth with that. I, I think it's so much fun. So, yeah. much fun. Um, yeah. so uh, final question on the script. So, you know, at the end, obviously, we have sort of Benny uh, having this moment of, you know, um, help me with words here, Lauren. <laughs> uh, well, so we have this moment of, of change for Benny, yes. where he decides at the end not to go with his friends and to instead go out for a drink with Brenda. Yeah, exactly. So, like, so if Brenda wasn't able to, like, sort of break down Benny's walls in a way and get him to admit, you know, some of the things about him, you know, not understanding the show, things like that, do you think he would have eventually been able to do that on his own? Or do you think Brenda was really the, the big catalyst for that that he sort of needed to kick him into gear? Oh, I, I think. Oh, I think Brenda's definitely the catalyst for this. I think. I think he was. He was going along on his own sort of merry way, and um, and I think that. Um, I think he. I think he needed to be prodded a little bit, and um, I think he was probably in a cycle of, you know, I do this, 
you know, I do this with my friends and, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm on automatic pilot, you know, you know, with my life, so to speak. And, um, and I think she, uh, you know, I think she, uh, she kind of jabbed him in a good way. And, um, the fact that, um, I, I don't know. And again, this is something I would love to talk to the actors about when he says he didn't understand some things in the play, you know, there's a, there's a couple of ways to, to work with that. One is that, you know, he really doesn't. And the other is he's looking for a way to, to sort of, uh, put him in, in, uh, give him a reason to, to go with Brenda. Yeah. For the drink. yeah, no, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. And I, I love how you keep saying, you know, I it would be really cool to explore these things yeah, like in, sure. a, in an actual production. I, I, I love the idea that uh, sort of like we were talking about earlier, you know, the the script acts yeah. as, as, as sort of a, a general structure. But then uh, after that, you know, you can sort of take it, take it where you want. So, yeah. so I think that's really cool. This is a fun fact, but um, my in with Jackson was um, he was in an original play and that was when I first saw him and mm. I... I messaged him pretending like I had questions. I didn't really have questions. That is true. <laughs> that is that is that is our first interaction ever. So <laughs> Lauren, really the catalyst for our relationship, yeah. I would say. There you go. Yeah. So uh, let's move into some personal questions. Uh, this is still about you as a writer, but we talked about how a lot of your scripts uh, that you sent us did not have a lot of stage directions. Obviously, that's changed. But also of the ones that you sent us, they had pretty small casts. So do you prefer writing for a smaller cast and what artistic and technical aspects do you take into consideration with cast size? It's interesting. I think most of the stuff that I've written has been for, for smaller cast because most of the stuff I've written, um, I know I've written, um, I guess, you know, 40 plays and 30 of them have been 10 minute plays. Um, and, you know, by, by virtue of writing a short play, it really, it really lends itself to, to, you know, two, three, no more than, uh, four characters. Uh, that, that's just, you know, that's just more practical for a, you know, a 10 minute play. Um, what's happened, uh, as I've, as I've, uh, written a couple of, uh, longer plays, the cast have gotten a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't, I don't sort of think about initially, you know, what, what a, how, how many people should be in the cast. I, I, I'm not sort of driven by that. I'm, I, I sort of have a story and, and who, who are the principals and, and who are the people that are needed to, to flush out the story. And that's how many people it is. Um, and the, the things that I think about technically very often, and I think this is, because I'm so used to working in spaces that have not been designed to be theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I've, I, I spent a lot of, um, uh, time on, uh, sound, um, and, and to a little bit lesser extent, uh, lighting. I'm not so much about like big sets and things like this. And, and, you know, I like to do things very minimally. Um, I just think it's uh, it's easier to navigate, um, and I think you know the other the other positive aspect is that it's probably easier to get produced. I'm I'm seeing so many uh, theaters looking for plays that they tell you we only have a black box theater, and mm-hmm. you know, and, or you know, here are the <laughs> they actually say like here are the pieces we have. Um, <laughs> 
so a lot of the, a lot of the plays uh, are done really minimally, and you know I'm I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, yeah, that's a big thing for us too. You know, we we have gotten some submissions of plays that have like six people that are great, but it's also just tough for us to coordinate six people to be on zoom and record you know yeah and it's also it's it's interesting too because you know i was very fortunate to go to a high school that had a very large theater budget and then when i went to college uh it was a lot of student-run theater that i was involved in which was the opposite you know very low budget (laughs) so it it was a lot of you know figuring out what we could do with what we had and i think that's a, a really good skill to have not only as someone who is putting on productions but also someone who Who's writing them and and to understand that you know the the power of a script isn't necessarily in how many explosions it has but instead in <laughs> like you know in the power of the writing itself so i i love that and just the general accessibility as yeah. as i've mentioned many times on this podcast before <laughs> and i feel like also part of the power is in you know how many theaters can do it i mean because yeah. if you have a very easy to produce script it's definitely more likely that you know a lot of places right. will produce it yeah for sure for sure um, so now we're going to get into some like some fun questions that still yeah, kind quick, of have to do with questions. the scripts, but also have to a little bit to do with you. So obviously there is there's a decent amount of football talk in this script. Uh, are you a big football fan yourself? Yes, I am. I'm a very big football fan. Oh, okay. Who's your favorite <laughs> right. team? Giant, New York Giants. Okay. Ooh, gotcha. That's tough. I'm a Steeler fan. So sorry about that a couple weeks ago. Uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kicked the butt. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm a Panthers fan myself, being from North Carolina. So uh, that's ah. that's great. Yeah. Uh, so uh, on football, what is your favorite football movie? Ooh, football movie. Uh, that's a that's difficult. It is. Um, there are a lot of great ones. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, of course now I'm drawing a blank. All I can think of is, is, is Brian's song and any given Sunday, which I didn't like. Oh, yeah. um, oh there you go. Uh, there, there are some of the classics like, uh, oh, Rudy. I know, I know oh. the one, the last one that I saw, which I, I kind of liked was, um, draft day with Kevin Costner. That is okay. a good one. That is a good one. It's, it's a, it's a more recent one, but very good for sure. Kevin Costner's great. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I would have to say, remember the Titans myself. Hmm. That was just like oh, right yeah, in the yeah, right yeah, yeah, age yeah. for me when that came out, just like growing up, like I, it, it felt like I grew up with that movie. So it's a, it's a great one. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess, uh, a, have you ever played football and B, if you have or haven't, what position would you like to play if you, if you, uh, could go pro? Uh, when I was, when I was very young, you know, we played, uh, we played in the, you know, on the, <laughs> there was, there was a grass field and I grew up in the Bronx and I lived the first 50 years of my life there. And, um, uh, there was a, a big, uh, grass, grass plain between, uh, two highways and we would play there, but it was very much sandlot, you know, absolutely not, wasn't <laughs> organized at all. Yeah. Um, and I was, I, you know, I played, uh, you know, I played, uh, you know, flanker. I used to call it flanker. Now it's, uh, it's white out or something. Sure. But, um, yeah. um, and I actually coached one season, um, uh, I coached an organized team. I was an assistant coach, uh, never again, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh 
there were there the 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 young the young men playing were uh, older teenagers you know and um some of the coaches in the league were you know thought they were Vince Lombardi and they were they <laughs> would do pretty horrible things you know and um i just felt like this isn't for me cuz people were trying to hurt other people i just oh, wow. you know it was, yeah yeah, like I said, no, kids, I gotta get out on. of this. Is- yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. I played a little bit, I played football in middle school, and I was never very good at it. I, I was I was small in middle school, so that obviously didn't really help me. Um, I think now, looking back on it, I would have liked to play, like, middle linebacker, but when I was playing, I played tight end and uh, cornerback. So, like, you know, ah. it was it was okay. It was a it was a decent time, but uh, uh, not when the best like, uh, for young small Jackson. When I was like seven, I thought <laughs> that when I grew up, I was going to be the kicker for the Steelers. Um, and hey, you still can, Lauren. Well, <laughs> you still can. Uh, final football Get question. That out, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Go. <laughs> we'll we'll go to the park and practice, Lauren. I'm All happy right. to do that. Uh, so, last football question: What do you think is the best football food? Like when you're sitting down and watching a game, what's your go-to food? I guess, I guess, um, if I really had my druthers, it would be, um, not chosen beer. Mm. Mm. Oh, that is a, a classic. That was, uh, uh, me and my dad have been to uh, a decent amount of Panthers games, and and we go. That's exactly what he always gets. So so it's kind of in my blood as well. Um, I love. I, I'm always a big pizza guy, but I just enjoy pizza in general. But I love some good pizza and wings at a football game. I think yeah. that's great. Um, yes. Okay, so we kind of talked about. Yeah, we kind of talked about Benny's side of the thing, but now mm-hmm. on Brenda's side of the thing, some just quick theater questions for you. So, do you have a favorite play? Big question. A big question. That is really favorite play. Uh, It's that's yes. Actually, I probably do. Um, There are so many places that I that I love, but but one I keep I will watch sort of over and over again is the importance of being earnest. Mm, That's very good. I I really like that play. I really like that play. That's a very good choice. Do you have one, Lauren? If you if you had to oh choose gosh, one right now, play? I didn't think about this before either. Yeah, I really it should really have thought is, about this. It really is oh. a hard question. <laughs> yeah, that's really hard. I, I love Tennessee Williams and I love Streetcar. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, if I were to think about a play I'd really want to be in, there you go. That's it. A good would question. probably be Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, perfect. Um, all right, so some more theater questions. We talked about your favorite football food, but what is your favorite intermission drink? Um, I don't actually drink our intermission. Okay, okay. It's, um, um, you know, I don't, um, I don't do that. Um, it's, you know, there's always, there's always like too many people, and mm-hmm. you know, if it's a small theater, if it's a little. You know, local theater to here, then I'll, I'll usually just have some coffee. But, mm-hmm. um, in, in general, if I'm, if I'm in the city, um, there's always like too many people and yeah. there's yeah. lines and it's like, uh, you know, I don't need that. It's like, I just need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <it. laughs> exactly. I like that yeah. coffee though. Sort of, yeah. sort of jazz you up for act two. <laughs> I did that, um, yeah. at one point, uh, 
I was in London briefly, and I saw a production of Lady Windermere's Fan, and they didn't have any coffee, and I was exhausted at intermission, <laughs> so I got a, one of those little tickets that you would get if you were going to go outside and smoke, and I ran down to the, the coffee shop that was down the block and you know got a, got a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you said, I'm smoking today, but <laughs> just for coffee. <laughs> yeah. So our, our last question, do you prefer mezzanine or orchestra? I prefer front mezzanine, actually. That is, no, me too. That is Perfect the seat. best. Those are the best seats in the house. I think you just picked the best possible seats in the house. Those are great. You have the perfect view of the stage, no one in front of you, yeah. and you get to like see everything. It's yeah. great. It's great. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I will say, though, um, <laughs> at one point I saw Phantom of the Opera, and I was front of mezzanine, and it was great, except that when the chandelier dropped, it was like... You could see how slow it was going. Sure. <laughs> I feel like in the orchestra, maybe it's a little scary. Yeah, yeah. You see a little too much up there sometimes. But uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah. that was our final question. Uh, Ed, thank you so much for coming on. This was a fantastic interview. Yeah. It was great to, it was great to be on with you all. Yeah. Um, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Anything that's, that's coming up for you in the near future? Uh, well, actually... Um, I have a, a play that I wrote and performed in, uh, a Zoom play that I wrote called Road Trip, and it's going to go live uh, tomorrow, actually. Nice. Um, for a, um, it's on the website, Studio Theater in Exile. Okay, cool. Okay, great. We will write that down. Because yeah. th- that's awesome. And you said it's dropping tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's actually inspired by a true story. It uh, didn't happen the way I wrote it, like many things. Um, but um, it it was inspired by something that actually uh, took place. And uh, you know, I think it's I think it's short, and but I think uh, hopefully amusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely, that's great. We'll we'll be sure to to share that on our socials as a little bit of pub for your your play for next week. Yeah. Um that's so, awesome. So, yeah, for everybody listening, if you are interested in getting in touch with Ed about this play or if you want to read any of his other plays or just, I don't know, ask a question, uh pull pull a Benny. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> you can reach him at the email that is in the description and that's it. Anything else? That's it. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on, Ed. We appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Green Light. The Green Light. Thank you to our guest who came on. Thank you to our wonderful friends who came on and helped us record the wonderful script. Yeah. Now, if you have not done it yet, it would be really helpful if you would go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. If you roast me, or if you roast Lauren, or if you leave a detour, we'll probably read it on air. That's right. Mm -hmm. Another way you can help us is by subscribing to our Patreon. We have lots of exclusive content on there, and you can give as little as a dollar a month, and you'll still get a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of our bonus detours, a lot of our ramble episodes, and $5 for the Greenland episodes, which are my favorite. So that link is in the description. Yes, also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, TGL underscore pod. Facebook is... At Green Light Pod. Yes, and if you want to follow us personally, I'm at at J underscore Woodward underscore C on Instagram and Twitter. 
I am at Hunkleberry, H-U-N-K-E-L-E-B-E-R-R-Y on Instagram and Twitter. And I think that's it. That's it. Thanks. Thank y'all so much for listening. We love you. Love you.